Welcome to Indie Ice Week One podcast. Uh, I'm your host David Trinka with my co-host uh, John Luchik. Um First episode, we're going to start off with um, introductions. Um, John, why don't you start off with yourself? Yeah. So, like David said, I'm John Luchik. I'm originally from Fargo, North Dakota. Played high school hockey for Davies High School. Was a uh, goalie on two state teams and. Now I've been coaching for the past year. I coached multiple AAA summer teams. And this past winter, I coached in East Grand Forks, Minnesota. And outside of that, I'm just, you know, always at the rink, always involved in hockey. You know, my, sis- my sister's still mm-hmm. at um, North South in Fargo. She's going to be playing there. She's also a goalie. And my brother, of course, is still playing in the youth organization in Fargo. So I'm pretty active down there and just obviously in keeping up with both boys and girls high school, just cause watching Davies is, you know, it's fun to see a lot of the guys I played with, which, you know, it's crazy to me that, you know, this year is the last year that this is that Davies will have kids that I played with on the team. And, but you know, getting old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, I feel old coaching <laughs> some days, but you know, it's, it's always great to be around the rink. And why don't you share a little bit about your education where you are right now? Well, yeah, of course. We're both students here at UND. I'm a uh, management major with athletic coaching and sports business minors. And, you know, what do you want to do with that? Really, I just want to do, you know, coaching first and foremost. You know, that's mm-hmm. coaching for me is fun. It's, you know, yeah, great. And I know, obviously, a little bit about David is, you know, your communication major. Yep. I um, I'm a sophomore here at UND. Um, as far as credits go, I'm still a sophomore. You're a bit of a junior, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, I'm from uh, originally was born in Fargo. Uh, I grew up in a small suburb of Saint Cloud called Sartell in Minnesota, and I played hockey there growing up um, until about eighth grade, where I moved back to West Fargo um, and graduated there in 2020. Um, I played two years of high school at West Fargo on the hockey team. Uh, I didn't play my senior year. Um, but I've always had an extreme love for hockey. Um, again, like John said, I'm a communications major here at UND and I want to become a college hockey analyst. So I also have an active internship with UND Insider right now. And I did some work with College Hockey um, Inc. or not College Hockey Inc. CHN, College Hockey News. Um, so yeah, I that's what this podcast is going to be. We're trying to spread out across um, not just UND hockey, but also juniors like USHL, the Fargo Force, and the Bobcats and the uh, Minotaurs. Um, and then also um, high school hockey is a big one yeah. in the state of North Dakota, EDC and WDA. Um, so, and honestly, just like we'll probably even get to Bantam AA and PBAA, other big leagues throughout the you know, North Dakota mm-hmm. landscape. Basically, if you want to talk and listen about, you know, North Dakota hockey, you're going to find it here. Anything mm-hmm. from, like David said, from UND and how our UND alumni are doing in the pros all the way down to high school and mm-hmm. those like top Bantam levels, we're going to talk about it and mm-hmm. discuss it. We plan to have um, many different uh, guests on here for interviews and stuff, alumni, um, not just from UND hockey, but just to say as well, like, um, people that went different ways, like uh, Britta Curl, an example, she plays for Wisconsin, 
uh, was an alumni from Bismarck. Um, so have her on hopefully eventually. Um, but just people like that, um, people that have contributed not only to North Dakota, but just people in general to the hockey community. Uh, we want to, we want to grow the game of hockey and trying and make news of North Dakota hockey more available because there's not a whole lot of news sources out there covering high school hockey or triple a or junior in North Dakota. So kind of want to branch out with that, but, um, yeah, we'll get into our next segment here. All right, we're going to get into the roster changes um, from last time you saw UND play um, against Minnesota Duluth, that long game that we were both at. Um, devastating loss as far as that goes. A lot of guys leaving that team. A lot of we, – we knew that was going to happen, though. That upper, that upper class was stacked with talent. Um, bunch of guys leaving. Um, we'll start off with uh, the captain, Jordan Kawaguchi. Left, he signed first, um, went to Texas, uh, the Dallas Stars organization and the AHL Texas Stars, for all those of you who don't know. Um, he played, appeared in three games, uh, scored a goal, I'm pretty sure, in his first game. And then he got he also had an assist. So, got any thoughts on that? You know, in terms of UND, obviously that's a big loss, being that he was the captain last year, definitely an emotional leader. And- Obviously, once you saw him come back last year, it was like, yeah, everyone was on board with that. Mm-hmm. So he really led the charge last year. He's such a smart player, really good hockey sense. But obviously, mm-hmm. the question for you know the next level is going to be the, the skating ability mm-hmm. and how that translates. But you know, really, really good hockey sense, great player. Obviously, yeah, one of the most sought after free agents uh, coming out of college hockey last year for sure, and we knew that for a while. But uh, Matt Kirstead, um signed, went to Florida. Actually appeared in seven games, didn't score any points, but I heard a lot of good, good stuff from uh, their head coach, which I think is, is it Joe Quinville? That's Joe Quinville, yeah. yeah. He, uh, you know, obviously the coach of Chicago back in the day during their dynasty with Taze and everybody, but um, I heard a lot of good of feedback from him and how impressed he was with Kirsten being able to just jump in right away. But, yeah, and, you know, and I obviously that's the big pro really that, you know, a lot of colleges are saying now is just, you know, you see a lot of NHL, especially defensemen lately, but just college players in general who make a very seamless transition to the NHL. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not really too surprising with Kirsten. Solid all around defenseman. Was he NHL ready, do you think? I mean, it, I, I mean, he's there in terms of skill wise, I think, but, you know, I would not be surprised in term mm-hmm. if, you know, he, he started this year in the time, NHL. Yeah, he spends a little know. time in still development, yeah. Because obviously you get into the end of the year, mm-hmm. you got guys who go down with you know, who are just mm-hmm. need time off. And, you know, obviously with the college season ending, it's good just to get them that little bit of experience, especially when Florida already has like that playoff spot locked up. Yeah. Obviously it's a different story start of the year, trying to make a team out of camp. So yeah, again, sure. wouldn't be surprised to see him start in the AHL, but also, you know, if there's an injury or, mm-hmm. or anything happens, he's going to be one of the first guys up. Yep. And then uh, Grant Mismash, um, another senior, um, pretty well liked across the team. Um, wasn't, a first liner, but he was definitely a really, really, he was talented for sure. Uh, Nashville Predators didn't play last year. He didn't really, um, I don't think he got any playing time with the AHL affiliate either. He, I knew, I know people saw him at parties still <laughs> towards the end of the year last year, him and uh, Gooch were around still. But um, as far as that goes, yeah, he didn't, I think he probably spent some time in the AHL, especially starting off uh, maybe even the East Coast League. I don't know for sure, but. Um, he'll probably, I think he'll 
They'll probably develop in the AHL a little bit, and then they'll decide whether they want to put him up or not. You know, Nashville has a pretty good track record in terms of developing players. I mean, you've seen, like, even this past year with Nashville, you had guys step up, like, I believe it was, like, Trennan, and who was their big sniper that, oh, he'd been after for a while, but I forget, he's from, like, Mm -hmm. Finland, but I can't think of his name right now, but it's, you know, Mm -hmm. I think for Mishmash, certainly, again, kind of the skating is obviously something. He's Mm -hmm. not the fastest guy out there. Great shot, though. Mm-hmm. you know so it's going to be you know a question of how that translates to the yeah. pros and so yeah i would i would assume he starts in the american and then you know see how he progresses mm-hmm. so and then adams uh next up colin adams he was one of the last guys to sign i believe but they announced he went with uh the new york islanders organization by the ahl the bridgeport islanders um his contract that he signed didn't start until this year so he'll be playing Hopefully this he'll be playing this year in the AHL. Um, I was kind of hoping he would stay. I think if anyone of the of the seniors that could have stayed for their fifth season of eligibility, I think it could have been Colin Adams. But um, I don't know. I think he's a great kid, great leader. Um, it was a great pairing with uh, his junior year, I believe. Uh, very good. Um, playmaker for sure I think what about you what do you think I mean I think he's just a great all-around player in general mm-hmm. and especially at UND seeing him come in just the progress he made from coming in as a freshman to this past year I mean it's just a lot a lot of growth mm-hmm. you know solid worker you know and it's just obviously going to the Islanders that's a tough team you know they're very win now mode playoff ready team mm-hmm. especially at center they've got a lot a lot of depth at center so obviously mm-hmm. probably spending most of this year in Bridgeport maybe even more, but at the same time, he's not going to be rushing his development. And, you know, with, you know, mm-hmm. I think the Islanders, not a team that's traditionally known for being good with development, but obviously with Lamarillo and Trotz and a whole new organization, yeah, the last few years, it's he's big, he's changed. Big so, you know, I, I, I could see Adams, you know, spending a year or two maybe in the AHL, mm-hmm. just really developing just because of how good this Islanders team is now and their depth at center. But, you know, yeah. in a couple of years being a solid, you know, third, fourth, maybe even middle six guy in the NHL. Yeah. And again, um, I don't believe he was drafted, was he? Uh, I don't. He might have been a late round pick. Yeah, but I, not, again, not a one, of those, one of those guys who UND does a great job with taking in those guys who are undrafted or drafted really late and developing into really high sought after people, uh, free agents, even like Gooch or Kirstead who weren't drafted, and they become just really good players, not, even, not just in the AHL, but in the NHL as well. So... Uh, Jackson Keene, again, not one of the, another senior that left, uh, not one of the guys that you really heard his name called a bunch. Um, obviously not a bad player though. Um, Wheeling Nailers, uh, the Pens organization in the East Coast League. So people that don't know, um, that's basically two steps down from the NHL. You got the NHL, uh, the Pens organization, and then you got the AHL, American Hockey League. It's a step down. That's their farm team. That's, um. Uh, they're Wilkesbury Scranton, I believe. Yep. For all the fans of the office there, um, and then East Coast League is a step down from that. So, that I don't even know where is Wheeling. You know where that is? Oh, I think it's out east. I can't remember. Yeah. It's Pennsylvania, New Jersey. But you know, mm-hmm. Keen's one of those players. He's not going to wow you with skill necessarily, but he's such a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but like from what we hear, just a great person off the ice. I mean, you look at how the team like rallies around him every time he's in the lineup. He, mm-hmm. You know, he's just spark plug such i mean he brings the effort he brings the intensity i mean Mm -hmm. yeah so obviously he'll get a chance to develop in the east coast league 
and you know obviously work his way up with the penguins who you know well actually i forgot to mention uh, he only played nine games with that organization and then he did get traded to uh tampa bay organization with orlando solar bears of the echl so he'll be playing with them this year but last year he finished over the summer he was moved over to echl so uh or just orlando so making it up in the tampa bay organization instead of pennsylvania which in Tampa Bay's got even a, I would say yeah. even a better track record of development. Look yeah, at a guy they, like um Ross or yeah or Braden Point. Well, not even yeah, he's a third. What, third yeah, Braden yeah. Point um, collision or was it collision? I can't remember what. Who was that a uh, Vermont guy that uh, stepped up big in the playoffs this year? Tampa Bay. Yeah, they they are. Let doing, me pull up his name. They have a lot of Ross really, Colton. That's what it was. Ross Colton. Ross Colton from Vermont originally. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a guy like you really even heard about, but obviously mm-hmm. steps up huge in the playoffs couple big big goals mm-hmm. and you know that's that's how you get a team like tampa who i mean just great great development that's how you maintain it mm-hmm. you know not necessarily a dynasty yet but you know a very sustained you know period of success yeah at that top level being able to transfer the talent level from just picking up guys that aren't drafted and making him into stars you know like Braden point is like a one of the best players in the league right now and he's a third round pick uh, not just like that. That's pretty the third round pick. So it's pretty it's still pretty high in the draft, but just people in general. So uh moving on to Gabe Bast. Um undrafted. Uh didn't really sign anywhere in North America. He'll be playing with Kalpa of the Finnish Liga uh, out in Europe in Finland. Um not a guy that really you know, he's older um as far as that goes. I I thought he was good. I thought he was he was a good uh, line filler. I guess it's um, just dependable. Would be, you know, he's dependable. Him. But, yeah. not you know striking with you know we would count his talent like he's not going to be a first liner. But you know I hope he does well out in fin- Finland and we'll definitely keep track of him as time goes on. Yeah. Um, Peter Tomey taking that the one guy of that senior class who is taking his fifth year of el- eligibility. He's taking his talent too. St. Thomas, um, he was good. Uh, I thought uh, not last year. He didn't play a whole lot last year, but the year before, uh, when Shield was having his, um, what would you call that? Like a it's just just his struggles. Yeah, just his struggle. He was struggling, and then Tommy stepped. I, I just really admired how Tommy was able to step in uh, when Shield was not playing up to his full potential on that second half of the season. So. Fortunately, it enabled the team to not really get a goalie that was going to win an award because they split the season, so they didn't get that games played. Um, but Tommy and Tommy really played well. That he's really stepped up and played well that junior season. Um, and then obviously we got some transfers coming in and freshmen to take up those other goalie spots. So Tommy was kind of forced out in that way, but you know, I think he'll be a good starter goalie for St. Thomas. I think they're pretty excited about him. Rico Blasi, pretty oh, excited absolutely. about. Absolutely. Well, yeah. just. Told me not even not even just the on ice skill, but just like off the ice as a person. You know, goalies. It's such a big thing. I mean, you can divide a locker room pretty easily if you get mm-hmm. if you want to get into that ego battle of okay, I should be the starter. You know, and you get a backup who's upset with the team mm-hmm. that can really bring a team down. You know, Tommy is a great person. Obviously, always puts the team first. Wasn't about him. I mean, he could have went other places. Easily been a starter these past two years. Easily. You know, mm-hmm. and instead he puts the team first. He's always ready when called upon. He's reliable, and I mean, just, I mean, you look at any celebration with UND, 
and you just look at you'll see Tommy and Chad embracing each other. You know, he's it's extreme passion, yeah, extremely passionate. And I mean, he's again, he wants, he just wants to see the team succeed. So mm-hmm. you know, obviously, we hope that he's going to do really, really well at St. Thomas this year. He yeah, will be a good goalie. I'm gonna. I'm going to be watching St. Thomas a lot, and you know, not just because they're just brand new, but I really wish, I really hope Tommy does a really good job, maybe even being nominated for a couple of awards, not just in the or in the CCHA now, but in general, like the Mike Richter, yeah, you know? Mike Richter, you know, but you know, and for Tommy, obviously, really his first true chance to start, you know, or fresh start. even even just to win a job since mm-hmm. you know Shield came in, so. And obviously, that was just unfortunate that time period when Shield came in. He just struggled, opened the door, and then Shield just took the job. But, you know, I think you act, if you're Tommy, you absolutely have to be motivated and excited for mm-hmm. a new chance. And you're going to be the guy down in St. Thomas. So I think he'll do yeah. extremely well this year. I wish him luck. He's a really great guy. And I'll be, we'll be keeping track of him as well. So uh, moving into the junior class that would have been um, – or not the junior class. Last year's know. junior class. Yeah, last year's junior class. This year. And I don't know why I have Shane Pinto on this class. But anyway, moving on. Uh, Adam Scheel, moving on, uh, signed, could have played his senior year. I thought he – honestly, after that game, I did not expect him to sign. Obviously, he earned that signing rate. Um, played with Texas of the Dallas Stars organization in the AHL with Kawaguchi. He's on there on the same team, so that's good. Um, I saw his first couple games – um, they were pretty good. He had really good stats. I don't know if he fell off a little towards the end of the season, but still not bad, honestly, um, for the next step up, I feel like. 12 games played, uh, 3.06 goals against average, and then a 9.12 save percentage. I'll let you jump in because you're a goalie guy. You know more about that stuff than I do. So you know, With Shield, I mean, he's not as big as, say, someone like Tommy, but he's just all around really technically sound, sees the puck well, and yeah, he's, he's yeah. obviously a great competitor, too. Yeah. You know, he's someone who's always seemed to step up when, you know, UND needed a save. And mm-hmm. especially playing at UND these last couple of years with good teams in front of him, there's been games where, you know, he's not getting a lot of shots consistently. But, yeah, when he does get that shot, he's still making those big saves when needed. And that's mm-hmm. definitely, as a goalie, that's something that's really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Especially on boys, he's a really calm. And he can really – I there was a very – like limited times where Adam Show gave up a breakaway. I mean, you saw that one against Minnesota Duluth when you know he blocked that shot. Uh, I think that was um, I don't remember who the Duluth guy is. What off the top of my head, but if I thought about it, I could remember. He's one of the bigger guys, but um, just that he would—he's so so calm, especially on those breakaways. He—he's got that good vision and kind of knows what they're gonna do. Um, he can kind of see that play before it happens, and he was really good on breakaways. I thought. Not just last year, but the year before. So, yeah. really great vision, really great guy. I hope he succeeds well. Um, we'll keep track of him as well. So yeah. everybody basically will keep track of. We'll try our best to any news. Um, JBD Bernard Docker left. Uh, obviously, we didn't even know for sure if he was going to stay his junior year, and he decided to after that. Um, their season ended with COVID. Um, five games played. Ottawa zero goals, zero assists. Not necessarily. A bad start. He's a defenseman, so he's not going to get those. Necessarily going to get the same opportunities as you know. You can't look at zero production in his first five games at the next level and say this kid's not going to be anything. You know, he's a first round pick back in 2018, I believe, and the just the future for Ottawa is just so bright. I'm really excited to see how they're going to do, um, especially uh, the first half of the season. Ottawa kind of struggled, but as the season went on, that second half was really good for them, especially with. Um, 
Shane Pinto and everybody. Um, their future is so bright. I, I feel like they're going to win a Stanley Cup within the next, at least, I think, five seasons. I give them five, maybe even more, a little bit more than that. But just their future is so bright, obviously, with their talent coming in, a super, super, super young team. Yeah. So what do you think? And, you know, I, well, and obviously it comes down to how you manage it, how you keep everyone mm-hmm. around, contract structure, that kind of thing. But obviously Ottawa's got a very good shot. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of Bernard Docker, I mean, okay, if you just want to look at the goals and the assists, yeah, he's not going to put up many points at the next level. That's not what he's seen as. You know, Ottawa's got guys like Shabbat and Brandstrom, especially on defense, that are really more offensive guys that are going to put up those points. Bernard Docker at the next level is really not going to be that. And even at UND, he wasn't, you know... A big point getter. He was still one of the... He was definitely probably one of the first times, or it's been a while since a guy like Bernard Docker, he was the number one defenseman for UND for three years in a row, I believe. Yeah, I would... Just that high um, competitive level, he was really good. So He's just, you know, good all-around player. No real – I wouldn't say there's really any weakness in his game. He's just, yeah, solid. And and the way I look at it for Ottawa is, you you know, you put him with a guy like – especially like Branstrom, and that's a really good fit. You know, obviously Branstrom will more carry that load offensively, and then you just have Bernard Docker as a nice, steady defensive partner. Could be a really, really good fit. Or even for, like, Shabbat eventually, but mm-hmm. – I would expect him to be, you know, at the very least a third pairing role this year, if not, you know, potentially getting up to a second pair role. Yeah, just defense in general, highly scouted for UND from Ottawa. Like, you got JBD, Sanderson, Clevin, Wolan, and a couple of years ago, who's not playing with that organization anymore. Uh, and then Taconic when he was here. Um, all really great guys. Um, all scouted by Ottawa. They kind of, I feel like Ottawa really likes how we develop our guys, so. We'll look how that goes in the future with drafting next year, maybe. I don't know. But uh, let's move on to Shane Pinto, a guy that personally was one of my favorites of all time as of now. Um, we thought maybe um, there was a tweet out um, last season where someone said that he was probably going to stay. I don't know. Um, him and JBD signed the same day. I don't know if JBD said something to him uh, on regards of signing, if that made him want to sign or not. Um, but just Shane Pinto obviously didn't get the Hobie Baker, probably was in second for it. Just an overall great kid, probably one of the best centers, if not the best center in college hockey last year. I never saw that kid lose a draw, honestly. That kid was so disgusting on draws. Um, as far as a guy, a talented guy, I, I, I um, played with Ottawa last year, um, 12 games played, a goal and six assists. That is great for your next level that step up um i remember even before the playoffs i was watching pinto very closely with comparison to cole caulfield and shane had a more he had a more point per game more points per game than a more point per game percentage i guess over cole caulfield because cole caulfield i believe played nine or 14 games and is before the playoffs obviously the playoffs went different because cole caulfield was pretty much a star in those playoffs um and then Pinto obviously didn't get to play in the playoffs, but Pinto had a really great start, especially just just jumping right into the next level. Um, but as far as that goes, I, I just – Pinto, besides um, – for me, Jonathan Taze is my favorite player of all time leading up to Shane Pinto. And I actually got a Shane Pinto jersey. Unfortunately, he just changed his number to 12. So 57 doesn't exist anymore with him. But um, I just – honestly, for me, I loved just his freshman year. I went to – Minneapolis to see 
UND play the Gophers that one weekend where they got abused. Um, but I just loved seeing his compete level, especially in those rivalry games. Um, I don't always condone popping your jersey, but when he did that, you can definitely tell that he was into the rivalry, especially just jumping in as a freshman. Like that is, I just loved seeing how competitive he was, especially just with rivalries, jumping in as a freshman. Just insane. I, I, he was so fun to watch, especially on faceoffs. You knew he was most likely going to win a faceoff because he was just so unreal. What do you think? You know, just with Pinto, obviously going more to the next level in terms of that, it's like you saw, I mean, really good numbers off the bat. Mm-hmm. But not only that, he's such a good two-way player. Obviously, you yeah. mentioned the draws are that big. Two-way game, yeah. Yeah, you know, and such a defensively responsible player. And yeah. then, you know, you get that offensive production as a bonus. He's like someone I would look at potentially in like akin to like Bull Horvat, you know, very, very responsible two-way game. Somebody who's going to put up a decent number of points, yeah, and just you know, really good skater, really good all around. Again, kind of with Bernard Docker, no real weakness with Pinto. Mm-hmm. You know, great player off the ice. Obviously, if you watched UND games the last few years, he always tosses a puck to a fan after yeah, the was, end of every warm-ups. Such a nice so guy. much character with that kid. I, I I think I watched every game in person that was available. I went to uh, home game, um, except for one weekend when I couldn't get tickets, but. That kid was just the amount of character you put in one kid. That kid was just such a nice guy. I'd, I'd never see him. He was last off the ice with, I believe it was, was it Blaisdell? I, I can never remember. Someone, one of the younger guys with him, but um, he was one of the last guys off the ice in warm-ups. He would always, always, and never once miss, like John said, him throw a puck to a kid. Just unbelievable character. I could go on for days about Shane Pinto, but... Um, just, yeah, again, it's an unreal kid. I would have loved to see him stay another year. A great leader. Um, great center. Hopefully he'll translate all that talent up into the next level. I, I think he will. And I think at the very least, I mean, you start him at, you know, I think he's got a shot definitely for Ottawa this year mm-hmm. to be your third-line center from the get-go. If not, you know, maybe do a little bit of seasoning as, like, your top guy in the AHL. But I would mm-hmm. expect him mostly in the NHL this year. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, as – he showed in that run late in the season. I think he's ready for a full-time NHL gig pretty soon. Yeah. I think I don't think he'll – I wait, did you say you thought he'd be in the NHL? I, don't, I mean, he might get a little bit yeah. just as like a top-line guy because obviously with, you know, where he's at being a younger mm-hmm. player, I mean, you don't want to put him on the fourth line. Yeah. So No, actually, know. I think he already won that two at second-line spot for Ottawa. Okay. I think I, I saw that somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Um, again, you never really know what development-wise if he's going to – Injury is also a thing you got to think about, uh, especially right after the start. He's had a pretty good track record, yeah. though. He's, well, he's never, I don't think he's ever been really hurt, except actually, I don't think he's ever, I don't think he missed a single game really with UND. But um, you just got to, you don't really always know if he's going to always have that second line spot. But as of right now, um, Ottawa doesn't have a ton of talent, especially they traded away. Did Dad, Dad Knob left, correct? Dad Knob left. Um... One of their top veterans, I guess, on the team. He's like 20. He's not super old, but. Anyway, that not that not was a little bit older, but he yeah. was a winger. But um, Stefan, I think left yeah. two or was that the year before? I, I can't no, he it's, that was this year. That but anyway, year, but yeah, that's another one. Mm-hmm. We got sure. we should probably move on to. We could talk all day about Shane Pinto, and we will later on. But um, Jasper Weatherby, kind of a controversial, um, uh, just leaving in general. He he left uh, August twenty fourth, so not even a little over two weeks ago, I think. Now what is that? Yeah, six. Pretty much, yeah. yeah, a little under two weeks, but pretty controversial. I don't, I didn't really know what to think when I saw this. Pretty late. You don't really see ever guys leaving this late in the season. He was already a named assistant captain. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, 
at all. I don't know. I'm not going to say it had anything to do with it. Um, I just, all I heard was that he did well in the camp with San Jose. Um, probably saw that San Jose being the team that they are, not having all that talent, not being a great team, just that opportunity to get playing time on a not so great team in the NHL right now. Maybe that, I'm assuming that probably had something to do with it, but just kind of controversial leaving so late. I feel like um, he probably didn't get offered a contract until now. I don't know if his intentions were to leave anyway last year. Um, but I feel like he could have had a really good spot for leadership this year. I was kind of hoping um, not only just leadership, but he's he puts up points, and we really need that, um, especially with the upperclassmen. We need leadership and those points um, for this team if we want to succeed because a lot of the team is all, like, I think, that, I don't know if this is a record, but, like, the amount of guys that are coming in this year is, like, 11 or 12. That's, like, over half. That's almost half the team is all new guys. And as far as that goes, you don't really know how that's going to translate into the first couple weeks. You know, I, I'm not assuming we're going to do that well because those guys haven't played together for a long time. The The chemistry isn't going to be there right away. Not something you have to be worried about based on the first couple games you can't expect much. You got that exhibition game against Bemidji, but um, as far as that's going to translate, you don't really know. Um, all the guys are new. They're not all of them are young either. They're not all freshmen. So, um, I was gonna. I was hoping he would stay and look for leadership. I was kind of surprised that he left. What do you think, though? I mean, I'm always gonna side with you know. It's really it's the player's decision. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think is the best for you? Mm -hmm. And especially for him, you know, obviously things change. You know, he really, from what I hear, really, really impressed at the uh, Sharks development camp. And obviously, I'm sure part of it had to be, you know, they look at that performance from him and they're like, okay, yeah, you're gonna get a substantial role. Otherwise, mm -hmm. obviously, he wanted to come back. It's, you know, he's not obviously not trying to screw the team. It's just, you yeah. know, obviously you got to factor in, you know, it's always what, you know, what's best for you. I mean, mm -hmm. the, again, we talk about like Tommy being such a team first guy, but you know, you, you have to find that balance of, you know, there's got to be times where you put the team first, but obviously, you know, you get an opportunity like this to go play at that next level. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure getting a decent, you know, a substantial role now, you know, mm -hmm. why not jump on it? So. All right. And then the last Leaving is Harrison Blaisdell, transferred to the University of New Hampshire. Was he a freshman last year or sophomore? sophomore. He was sophomore. a sophomore. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so he'll be his, playing his junior year at New Hampshire, um, and he was a defenseman, right? Forward. He was a forward. That's okay. forward. He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. He didn't, you know, he was one of the later guys um, in, the, in the lineup. But, you know, he was – he didn't really make a whole lot of mistakes, I feel like. He was, he was a solid role filler, I feel like, but – um, and then we're just going to jump into the transfers here, yeah. the incoming guys. What but do you think? One, one thing with Blaisdell is it's not that he's a bad player at all. Yeah, it's he's just, not a bad player. obviously it's just more a product of, you know, UND, especially last year, having such depth at four that he gets pushed out of playing time and it's so competitive. Mm -hmm. And obviously once you get outside of those top two lines, which were, you know, pretty much set in stone before you even got to the season after that, it's really, you know, you're looking at role fillers, you know, who fits, you know, do we need more of a physical element, um, people to kill penalties, that sort of thing. So obviously you don't fit that role and, you know, mm -hmm. and obviously they're extremely, extremely competitive too. Yeah. So, you know, they're in the hockey East. So hopefully he does well out there, yeah, but for sure. we'll keep track of him as the season goes on. Um, but we'll, we'll jump into our transfers here. The incoming guys, these are all the transfers we're going to get into next. And then the freshmen as well as, as it goes on. But, Guys that are, we'll start out with the two guys that are seeking their fifth 
uh, year of eligibility that the NCAA granted them after that COVID season. First is Zach Driscoll, um, 24-year-old, six foot, 172 from Apple Valley, Minnesota. Um, his Out of his four years, he played his first season at St. Cloud State uh, in the 16-17 season. And then I believe he, he went to Omaha. The transfer, yeah, he played for the Omaha went Lancers in the USHL. In the USHL cause, um, for people that don't know, up until this year, or was it maybe last year, um, you had, if you wanted to transfer, you had to take a year off. Um, and then obviously you can do whatever you want with that year, whether it's playing in the juniors, maybe taking a year off, which I, I don't think people, a whole lot of people do. Um, but you had to take a year off. So again, first year St. Cloud State, I don't think he got many much playing time. Uh, and then that next year, 17, 18, he wasn't able to play um, college hockey. He had to play uh, USHL with the Omaha Lancers. And then the next three years after that one, that one year of transfer, he played for Bemidji State from 18 to 21 last season. He had 28 games played, um, a 2.32 goals against average, and a 9.22 save percentage, um, which is pretty good yeah. in, in the WCHA, which isn't exactly the, the top level, I'd say, of competitive and un, uncompetitive play in college hockey. But it's definitely not to be slept on. It's a pretty good stats. What do you think? Yeah, well, obviously, college hockey in general in this day and age, there's such depth, mm -hmm. such parity. So, I mean... Really, if you come from any college program, I think obviously you're going to be a good player. Just making it to this level is mm -hmm. so, so difficult in this day and age. But with Driscoll specifically, I mean, if you watched him during that NCAA run, especially that Wisconsin game, I mean, the dude was just, I mean, yeah, that's why they head. won the game. He stood on his head. That stood game. on his head, single-handedly helped shut down Cole Caulfield. I mean, Caulfield still scored the one goal, but I yeah. mean, and assisted on the other, but still, I mean... He yeah. had 40-plus shots. I mean, he was a huge reason for Bemidji State getting that upset. And, I mean, again, you look at, you know, the size, 6-0 as a goalie, you know, 6-foot even. That's not super big. Not goalie. super big, but, you know, I would I would say, again, kind of akin to Shield, you know, much less Tommy. He's he's more of a Shield, just fundamentally solid, mm -hmm. good rebound control. He's obviously, as you saw in the NCAAs, he's not someone who's going to get phased by the pressure. I mean, I think he will do really, really well at UND. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to go into our next guy, Connor Ford, second of sec second of two guys seeking their fifth year of eligibility. Um, right wing, 23 years old, six foot, 187 from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, he played two seasons with Shattuck down in Fairbolt in 2014-2016. Uh, and then he played four seasons at Bowling Green State University in what was the WCHA, now the CCHA, as of this year. Uh, where last season he captained them and earned WCHA first team all first all team honors with 16 goals and 12 assists and 20 for 28 points in 31 games played. Um, for me, I, I feel like he's going to be jumping into one of those leadership roles. Obviously, a captain of another team. Uh, he'll be a guy that we'll look to, especially with his not only his age and his experience, but just being that captain, having that leadership to, to lead the team with all those guys that left. Uh, Fill in, uh, hopefully be a top six guy. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would say definitely top six guy. Somebody who's going to jump in right away. Somebody mm -hmm. who's got the experience, somebody who's been there, and obviously someone who's going to come in and be motivated because obviously this is his last year of eligibility. Yep. So you, you're I coming to UND, to. you want to try to win that national championship. Yeah, not just that, but you got to, we also, with these transfers, you got to think about how their production will transfer from conference to conference. WCHA or I guess, well, we'll still call them the WCHA because that's what it was up until now. But 
uh, just their competitiveness isn't exactly what you would call with the WCHA being, or not WCHA, the NCHC being arguably the best co- conference in college hockey, if not the best, um, especially on competitiveness level. Um, the WCHA, I'd rank probably in fourth or fifth. So just um, something to think about the transfer of uh, competitiveness and their ability to transfer that talent uh, and that production to the, into our conference. But and, you know, I'll throw in there is obviously in this day and age, it's, you know, making it to the college level is just, you know, mm-hmm. an incredible feat. So, but, you know, mm-hmm. just definitely, you know, obviously you can't expect him to put up 28 points again. I mean, he could, but, you mm-hmm. know, it's, I mean, it's, 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 you know, so WCHA and college hockey in general is really good. The parity's at like an all time high teams mm-hmm. are so close. And I mean, that's why you see the NCAA tournament, yeah. there's, 16 seeds beating the one seed all the time but and even building off of that like bowling green um that team was i believe older a lot of that team dispersed around college hockey um as that as the end of the season happens so you gotta think about also that point production also there are other factors that come into that like the their um chemistry with the other guys on the team and that chemistry isn't going to be there right away for und it's one thing you got to think about going into this season as well um but I, guess, Ford. I, I would say though, sorry, but I would say at least going into the season, at least this year versus COVID, we've had a full slate of, you know, fall practices from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. So versus last year, a yeah, lot of it was not, interrupted with COVID. Yeah. So that's gotta be big. I, although we do have so many guys coming in, but at least they're getting a lot, a lot of time together on the ice, mm-hmm. which is a plus. And then one difference again with that, I said with Zach Driscoll, he had to take that one year off transferring from St. Cloud to Bemidji state. Uh, they changed it about two years ago. Uh, we noticed it with how Johnny Tyconic was able to just jump from UND to Omaha. Um, NCAA, NCAA changed the rule where transferring, you don't have to wait a year. You can just jump right into a new team. So that is one difference that you'll see why it is motivating guys to transfer to different schools and not just, not just take that fifth year of eligibility, but just to transfer because you don't have to wait that extra year like you used to have to. So moving into our – as of now, this senior class, they will be seniors this year. So their fourth year of NCAA eligibility. Uh, Ashton Calder, um, 23 years old, a forward, 6'1", 201 pounds from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Three seasons at Lake Superior State. He served as the assistant captain last year. Um, he was on the team that won the WCHA tournament championship, and he was named the MVP also with the WCHA second all-star team honors with 16 goals and 13 assists and for 29 points in 29 games. So that's a point per game, but again, that's pretty, that's very good. And you got, but you also got to think about that translation to a different conference. What do you think? Yeah. But you know, I look at, you know, especially knowing how Lake Superior State had to go on a big run at the end of the year, mm-hmm. you know, just to get to that tournament and obviously him being, named tournament MVP playing a big role in that. He's somebody who is going to be there. He's got that experience. Again, he's been an assistant captain. He's going to be a leader, but, you know, even yeah. though he's not going to have a letter on him, he's going to be someone who's going to be a calling presence in that locker room, but also, you know, just someone who's come through in the clutch before. And, you know, I think he's going to play a big role this yeah. year, and I think he's, he's going to be a fan favorite. He's going to have to step up to one of those top two lines, at least probably oh. maybe the third line, but no, for he, sure. I think he'll be yeah. top six. Yeah, top, top six for sure. And then moving into number two of three of the, the senior classes, Brady Ferner, a defenseman, 24 years old, 5'10", 190, from Dakota Dunes, South Dakota. 
the first, I believe, guy to ever be from South Dakota and play on the University of North Dakota hockey team. So that's a cool little fact you can throw in there. Three seasons at RPI, Rensselaer Polytech Institute of the ECAC. Uh, they didn't get to play last year, so the stats are going to be from 1920 in that season where everything got fallen off by COVID. So he had two goals and six assists in eight games played, which isn't something to be it's a pretty pretty good point production, but again, how that translates from com- conference to conference. Um, but Rensselaer unfortunately did lose their program in late May, um, so that's one thing that honestly makes me kind of sad. It was obviously you said uh, before the podcast that it's something that we were, you were surprised about. Uh, I think a lot of people were really surprised about it actually. So, but again, eight eight points in eight games is. Pretty good point production. I'm not sure if he was injured or not that season, um, but he'll definitely be jumping into um, a, one of the bottom or top top you, role. You know, I've, I've not heard the top ex- line. The, but the, I've heard the expectation is he'll be a depth defenseman. Yes, he's a depth guy. So extra spots, trying to fill in for guys who left, like probably Gabe Bast. I'd say maybe even they'll be fighting for a spot for sure. But we'll move on to Chris Jandrick. A defenseman, 22 years old, 5'11", 183, from Prince George, B.C., uh, the British Columbia in Canada. Three seasons at Alaska Fairbanks from 2018 to 2021. Uh, Fairbanks, another team that didn't get to play last year because of funding issues. Um, originally, well... And just COVID, too. Yeah, COVID so, as well. Um, COVID, I think, was the bigger factor. But. Five goals, 17 assists for 35 uh, in 35 games played. Um Fairbanks trying to get a new arena, right? Yep, they're working on trying to get a new arena. Um, their program has been, you know, it seemed like a safer bet to keep going in terms of, at least compared to like Alaska Anchorage obviously being cut and then now just being reinstated, reinstated. for next year. Mm-hmm. But obviously with Anchorage being reinstated, that arena proposal, you know, is maybe a little bit of a tougher sell just because now you got to look at, you know, state funding. state funding for two teams. And not only that, but, you know, if Anchorage state was you know if the uh, fundraising campaign didn't work out and now you're left with fairbanks as your only like oh, ncaa yeah. d1 you know program in the state i would say obviously then that's there's a little bit more incentive and a little bit more motivation to mm-hmm. keep that team around and put that extra funding into the arena so and then building off that just it'll be interesting to see what happens with those alaska schools because they are without a conference now they are independents because the cca or the teams that were in the WCHA that left to make the CCHA, obviously it's very expensive to fund that travel to not just Alaska, but they also kick kind of the Alabama Huntsville school out. So it'll be interesting to see what ends up with those teams. Alabama got saved last year um, from being cut and then Anchorage just got saved. Um, they got reinstated this last week, but it'll be interesting to see, but let's move in on to our freshman class which is a very big class nine guys two goaltenders one defenseman and six forwards um let's start off with uh jacob helston a goaltender 21 years old 511 181 pounds from ustal sweden uh he last season he played for homestead hammers hockey club and the sweet one of the swedish junior leagues uh 262 Goals against average, 908 save percentage in 24 games played. Um, I don't know much about the Swedish Junior League, but that's not that's not bad stats. What do you think, John? Yeah, I, I look at that save percentage too. 908 is solid. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously with him, 
the big questions are going to be around the adjustment, you know, coming to North America, a whole different culture, whole different, you know, language, different, language, different yep. style of rings, you know, so a little bit, obviously undersized, even more so than Driscoll, but a little bit older. He's got mm-hmm. more hockey experience. And I would assume obviously very being able to play in the NCAA at that height, he's got to be very technically sound. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We're going to move on to Caleb Johnson, the second goaltender, picking up four goalies this season. Um, you said uh, Feeney had surgery coming into this season, so we're picking up a fourth guy. Uh, Caleb Johnson, 20 years old, 6'1", 181 from Grand Forks, North Dakota, hometown kid. Played three seasons with Grand Forks Central Knights and then three seasons with the Minnesota Wilderness in the North American Hockey League. Last season, he had a 3.12 goals against average and a 9.06 save percentage in 29 games played. Really goaltender, John, so I'll let you talk about him a little bit. Yeah, so yeah. obviously with the goals against average, I mean, that's often seen as more of a reflection of the team, especially when you look at a 9068 percentage. Again, nothing spectacular, but solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I've Something seen, to grow off of for sure. Yeah, and you look at his stats and the null, they usually they tended to get a little bit better each year, which is, you know, a good sign of development. Um, you know, hard worker. Um, he was a captain his uh, junior year at Grand Fork Central before he left. So leader, mm-hmm. again, hometown kid. He's going to be highly motivated because, I mean, he's got a shot at the backup spot. It's definitely mm-hmm. – it's not penciled in that Helston is going to be the number two to start. Obviously, that's the expectation from mm-hmm. most people. But, you know, he's got a shot right away. So he's going to be motivated yep. and, you know, he's a kid. Being that hometown kid playing yeah. for the team he watched probably a lot growing up. Um, we'll be excited to see how he fits in. Uh, moving into our one and only defenseman, Luke Bast, uh, brother of Gabe that just graduated. We talked about him playing in the Finnish League. Another defenseman, two defenseman brothers, uh, 20 years old, 5'9", 190, so not a very big guy, uh, height-wise anyway. From Red Deer, Alberta of Canada, in Canada. Two seasons with Waterloo Blackhawks of the USHL. Last season he had two goals, nine assists for 11 points in 11 games. It's a point-per-game production. Um, which is is pretty good for a defenseman, especially in the USHL. What do you think? Yeah. So you know, picking up those bottom rules, yeah. filling some some spots and fighting for a spot in that that bottom pair or even the second pair. Um, I'm assuming Clevin and obviously Clevin, Sanderson and Fresh will get those top spots, but yeah. um, fighting for those spots definitely for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and but the other thing too with that is I would say you know him and Ferner the expectation is they're going to be more of the depth guy, but. You know, you still got a shot out of camp. You never know. And, mm-hmm. you know, the nice thing is is that UND has such defensive depth that, you know, he's not going to be pressured into a role right away that he's mm-hmm. not prepared for. He's going to be given time to develop. He's going to be yep. sheltered. And, you know, you might see him in the lineup as like that extra skater, yep. you know, potentially. So, yeah. And then carrying on that legacy of Gabe as well, which will be fun to watch. Um, next up, our first forward, Matteo Constantini, a center um from st Catharines, ontario 19 years old six foot 174 drafted by buffalo in 2020 nhl draft round five 131 overall uh last season he played for the sioux city musketeers in the ushl seven goals 15 assists for 22 points in 37 games played i i think we both got to watch this guy play uh, in fargo against fargo in the playoffs last year um Pretty good two-way game. Uh, reminds not exactly the point production of Shane Pinto, but that two-way game again like Shane Pinto. A guy that'll be uh, – he'll grow into his spot 
uh, be fighting for one of those center spots, the bottom two lines um, this year. Um, he'll be interesting to watch for sure. Definitely, definitely out of the gate, someone who, you know, I would not be surprised to see in the lineup on that, you know, third or fourth line, especially since he's got a good two-way game. Um, you know, I wouldn't expect to see the point production right away, mm-hmm. but, you know, just a solid all-around player. Um, very good hockey sense for sure. Mm-hmm. So. All right, next forward, uh, Jackson Kuntz, a hometown kid from Grand Forks, North Dakota. Center, 19 years old, 6'3". 214, a big kid. Um, drafted by Vancouver in 2020, round four, 113th overall. Uh, he played one season with Red River in 2017-2018. I got we both got to watch him obviously play. Uh, I got to watch him in the state tournament. Um, and then last season he played for the Green Bay Gamblers at the USHL. 23 goals, 20 assists for 43 points in 50 games, which is pretty good production. Um, Again, hometown kid, motivated. What do you think? Yeah, he also had a couple seasons in there with Shattuck St. Mary's down in Fairbolt, mm-hmm. Minnesota. Um, again, I, I think he'll be someone in the lineup right away, especially with that size. I mean, if you want to talk about like a Weatherby replacement, I mean, there you go. I mean, I think he's a little bit shorter than Weatherby, but that same same kind of mentality of at least like your big physical Throw center, that you know, power forward, yep. you know, good point production. Um, yeah, I expect, you know, I think he'll have a good shot mm-hmm. at making either a third or a fourth line roll up just mm-hmm. out of the gate. Just like, a, just, you know, cause he's a big guy. He'll be Going physical, spots. something that, mm-hmm. you know, bring something different to the lineup. Yep. And then moving into Nick ports forward, 21 years old, five eleven, one seventy six 176 from St. Cloud, Minnesota. He played uh, one season with tech um, St. Cloud tech high school. And then I think they co-opt in, he played two seasons with just St. Cloud, uh, the co-op. I think Apollo and Tech might have came together. Um, and then last season, he played for the Tri-City Storm. He was the assistant captain uh, for the first half. Um, played for Tri-City in 16 games. Five goals, six assists for 11 points. And then he was traded to the Muskegon Lumberjacks. Um, played 32 games. 10 goals, 17 assists uh, for 17 points in 32 games there at the end. Um, pretty good production, I feel like, in the USHL. Um, and obviously you saw that assistant captain spot for the Tri-City Storm. Uh, so he's obviously he's got some leadership abilities to him. Yeah. You know, the way I look at ports is, you know, pretty similar to um, Reese Gaber coming in. Again, older guy, a lot of experience, a little bit undersized, but, you know, not as bad. I think he'll be someone who can play up and down the lineup to start this year. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much a sniper as much as um, Gaber is, at least looking at the stats and yep. what, you know. But, you know, someone who can yeah. kind of play wherever. Like you said, a little bit younger than Reese Gaber was coming in last year. Reese Gaber's pretty old for when he came in. Uh, actually, he's a little bit older than Reese Gaber coming in. But, um, again, just that filling up those spots, he'll probably be – he'll crack the lineup quite a bit this season. Yeah. Um, so, moving in, Jake Schmaltz, uh, cousin of um, Jordan and Nick. Nick, obviously, of the CBS line, the famous one that won the National Championship in 2016. Uh, obviously both of them are pretty famous North Dakota, both are drafted, uh, Jordan playing in Europe now and Nick playing with, I believe, Arizona. Um, but Jake, a left winger and a center, uh, splits between both. And then 20 years old, 6'2", 183 from McFarland, Wisconsin, drafted by Boston, the Boston Bruins in the 2019 NHL draft in round seven, 192 overall, played two years 
the last two years with the Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL. Last season he played, he was the assistant captain with 19 goals, 34 assists for 53 points in 51 games, which is great production. Absolutely great production. Played with Koontz. Um, what do you think? Yeah, you know, again, pretty pretty similar to Koontz, you know, bigger kid. Um, you know, I haven't mm-hmm. seen a ton of him, but, I mean, you just look at the numbers, especially you look at the numbers between the two. I didn't pay a lot of attention to Green Bay's lineup last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if those two played a lot of the season together. Mm-hmm. At the very least, they've played together before on the same team, yep. so they got that chemistry coming in. So I would not be surprised to see them, you know, on a line together, together. Yep. you know, yeah, mm-hmm. early in the season, oh. especially, you know, whether it's that like fourth line, you get a bit mm-hmm. big physical line with Schmaltz and Coons kind of anchoring that. Or even, with even them. maybe the third line too. You never even, really you know. know. Yeah. So. I mean, it's always up for grabs. It's, you know, we'll see what Bradbury does because he yeah. likes to mix it up sometimes. But yeah. again, you, with Brad, you gotta, you gotta work for your spot. It's a lot of working. Uh, you're never guaranteed a spot on the team. So a lot of work going to be done in practice with these guys. Um, moving in with Ethan, moving on with Ethan Bowen, not related to Dixon Bowen. Uh, Dixon, of course, from uh, East Grand Forks. Ethan here from Chilliwack, British Columbia, 19 years old, 6'2", 170. He's a center, drafted by Anaheim in the 2020 NHL draft, round 7, 207 overall. So a later pick, but um, played four seasons with Chilliwack Chiefs, same team that Calgucci played for and captained um, in the British Columbian Hockey League. Uh, last season, he had 11 goals, 10 assists for 21 points in 21 games, which isn't bad. Point per game, of course, not bad. Um, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I don't know a whole lot about Bowen, but you yeah, know, just you know, a little bit younger mm-hmm. kid obviously means they have confidence in him, letting him come earlier than some others. Yeah. And you know, you look at the numbers, he looks solid. And obviously, being a draft pick, too, you know, it's a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty solid pedigree. And the BCHL has gotten very competitive the last few years, so yeah, yeah you know, it'll be interesting to watch for sure, filling up those spots. He'll be fighting. Of course, one of those center spots against Koontz and Constantini, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in throughout the season. Um, again, we got a lot of centers. Everyone's got to fight for his spot. So um, hopefully he'll crack. Um, maybe he'll beat some guys out during practice. Um, we'll see as the season goes on. But move on to Dane Montgomery, a right winger, 19 years old, 5'10", 170 from Grand Forks, another hometown kid. Played for Red River on the same team as Koontz. Uh, and then he played a majority of his last few seasons with Waterloo, the Blackhawks, and the USHL. And he was the captain last season. Eight goals, 15 assists for 23 points in 28 games as a right wing, which almost a little under point per game, which isn't bad. But what do you think? You know, I just called on, call on late to play, but. Yeah. But, you know, just before I get into Montgomery, I just want to say something. You know, you got three kids from this year's freshman class at least so a third of this year's freshman class all from grand forks mm-hmm. um just i think that speaks volumes about how good the North Dakota hockey is getting in getting yep. you know i mean that's i mean that that's mm-hmm. significant you used to see maybe like one to two players every yeah. couple years you know way back in the day and i mean now you look at it it's you know i mean just even the last yeah. few years even before this think about guys like mm-hmm. the johnson clevin's another local kid mm-hmm. frish is from Morehead with um Arizona this year. Going, I mean, hockey in this region's mm-hmm. really, really come it's, a long way, I think. Yeah. Especially I think. just like, again, like you said recently, like you, you think about it, um, not a whole lot of guys that were from North Dakota played in the NHL, but now you see way more guys, not just with the development of 
uh, hockey in North Dakota, but in the U.S. in the U.S. as a whole, USA Hockey has done a great job with um, the youth programs, getting people to play. Um, you know, you see, just last last decade, um, just the work USA USA Hockey's done has been translated in the World Juniors. You see, they they tied with the most um, titles in the last decade with Canada and Finland. So, again, just great job, especially in in the Grand Forks area. Those two, Red River and Central, winning championships like almost every year. So very good um, development here in Grand Forks. It's almost like a skill gap between the Grand Forks teams and the rest of the teams in the state. Um, but just great production. Again, like you said, Grand Forks kids, it'll be interesting to watch how, how they fit in into the roster with um, their motivation, watching those, watching you and Diaz kids uh, putting on that Jersey, um, a dream come true for I'm, I'm, I'm sure almost all or all of them, but yeah. It'll be interesting to see. So that'll that wraps it up for our freshman class and the roster changes this year. We'll be uh, keeping you guys up to date with any guys that do move, um, and then uh, as well as alumni throughout the state and from UND. So that also those seniors that graduated last year, all those guys. Um, that's going to do it for week one and episode one. Um, stay tuned for any news, uh, people that we will have on guests for interviews within the next coming weeks and then i think next week we'll probably do a uh an overlook or preview of the schedule ahead so uh i'm david trinka i'm john witchick and we appreciate you guys tuning in today uh and we'll see you guys next week